Bread comes in many different varieties, but the only bread that nourishes our souls, hearts, and lives is Jesus Christ. Bread of Life is sponsored by the Bread of Life Fellowship of Boise, Idaho. You can contact us by calling us at 208-331-4096. That number again is 208-331-4096. Join us now for the Bread of Life. Here's Joel Van Hoogen. Hebrews 12.14 tells us just what impression God wants His people to make on those around them. If you're thinking about your church's brand, its image, or yours in the eyes of others, here it is, just as God orders it. Let's just look at verse 14, and that's all we're going to consider this morning. Verse 14 of Hebrews chapter 12. Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Well, the command that you have here is not just for you as an individual. You're not being told as an individual, just be at peace with everybody and just live a good life in front of everybody, although it applies to you as an individual. The verb in this text, pursue, pursue is a plural verb and it's meant for all of us. It's a a commandment that was given to the community that the author is writing to in the book of Hebrews, and it's given to the community here that's reading it and studying it this morning. It's to the church as a whole. Now, in our era and the day and age in which we live, and over the last 20 or 30 years in particular, and I think this has actually intensified over the last 10 years, the church has been what I think is unduly preoccupied with wanting to establish an image by which they're known in the community. It starts off when a church gets planted nowadays, or if someone starts a new church, that you would be surprised how much time is spent just trying to find the perfect name for the church. Just to find the right name to cast the right image so that it might be appealing to people and it might draw people. It used to be where the church basically was just appealing to people in the community that might, might be Baptist. So you had First Baptist and Second Baptist Church, and I never saw a Third Baptist, but you know, then they started getting a little more creative. But then at some point in time, they wanted to appeal to people who were seeking adventure. I think that's part of it now and meaning now. And so now the titles and names of churches sound like a good movie, right? And or they're promising some great adventure, journey, or uh, you know. Just open the phone book. You'll see there are a lot of thought. In fact, like, you know, we've tried to come up with a new name to reposition ourselves, to establish an image. And to some extent, I think this is overdone, but I kind of understand it. It's the fallout of being and growing up in the age of marketing and self-promotion. It's quite easy, actually, to take your computers and to try to do a search on some search engine and find some advice paper on how to get a church established and what you ought to do with a church or find a blog about how to develop a church's brand. And that's the phrase, to develop a church's brand or its identity or its image. And in most cases, the advice is that you find out what the community around you is interested in and what the community around you has identified as their core needs or their core values and then to simply... Stamp on yourself one or two words, that's all, that kind of reflect that trajectory, that desire, that image, and then to be consistent in communicating that as the core message of what you're all about, making sure that it's reinforced by the music you use and the core in your church and the messaging that you have from the pulpit or in your teaching or whatever it is, in order to promote this idea. And Well, what I want to say is... This might surprise you, but I'm, I'm kind of, 
I think it's overdone, but I'm kind of sympathetic with the idea. I kind of understand it. I would put it another way. Imagine if somebody came and spent a few days at my family's house, and they live with us for a few days. I would be curious what would be the one or two or three words that they might throw around after they left our house, establishing the identity of my home. Crazy, <laughs> chaotic, energetic, loud. That would be one loud. You know, our next-door neighbors have a little uh, home that's built out behind their home, and the way that our neighborhood is, the the house is literally built right against our property line. And so the house runs right along my backyard. There's a little opening space, a little patio area that a person can walk on and walk out from that house. And it's literally right, it's right perpendicular, right across from where the trampoline is in our house. My neighbor has decided that they want to start a short-term Airbnb rental there. And I'm, I'm not for it. And it's not because I don't want my neighbor to succeed or be blessed. It's that I don't want my family be to be the result of all the bad reviews that they're going to get, right? Everyone who stays there, man, it was the neighbors were crazy. Kids were screaming. Dogs were barking. Constant activity. That could be, you know, we'll find out what the one or two or three words are that people would use for our family once they open up that place that way, if they should choose to do so. And Otherwise, we're going to have to constrain ourselves. Then again, I hope that what people would come away with is loving, kind, gracious, sincere, right? Those would be words that I hope they'd come away with and said. And I think, actually, you could find both of them in our household. But we're the family of God. We're God's family. And as we go out from this house of worship into the community and world in which we live every single day and there ought to be some identifying marks about us that people see and people begin to understand. Well, just on the chance that people in the world are going to come in here and hang out with us for a while as the Spirit drives them. And I think it's more likely that you're going to encounter them out in your workplace and out in your neighborhood and in your homes, but it's also here in this place. What's the word that they're going to come? What are the couple words that they're going to come up with to identify us and our life together and the impression that we make upon them, and it's worthwhile thinking about. It's worthwhile thinking about. Actually, the passage before us tells us what God wants to be the essential identity and impact that we make upon the lives of others and that we share together with one another, the identifying marks of our and trait of our fellowship, and it's this. Pursue peace. God says it. With all people and holiness without which no one shall see the Lord. This is a positive expression of what we are to be aiming for, a positive identity. And in truth, it says here not simply that it's something we're to be aiming for or something we're to be cultivating, something that we're slowly trying to be building up, something that we're to hope will somehow develop, but it actually says we're to be striving after this. We're to be pursuing this. This, in a sense, is supposed to be the main focus of how we want to be understood and how we want to be identified and the way dynamic that we want to have flowing between ourselves and out towards others. It's peace with all people and holiness. Actually, if you read most of the commentators on this passage, They'll say that this idea of peace with all people is an expression of what our relationship is supposed to be with people, and then holiness is supposed to be an expression of what we're to strive after with our relationship with God, but I don't think that's the case. I think peace and holiness are to be understood together. 
I think what's being stated here is this is the relationship or the impulse or the dynamic understanding of how people are to identify us once they've been among us. And when we're among them is that we're people of peace. We're also an unusual people who have been set apart, manifesting an otherness, a holiness before them. So let's look at this passage again. Peace and holiness. Strive for peace. Strive for holiness. Here's the first thing that I want you to see or understand about this, this passage, this command that's being given to us, and it's this. The Christian is already someone who has been brought into peace with God. The Christian is already someone who has been made holy by God. You can write it down. You have already been brought into peace with God. You have already been made holy by God if you've come into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. Let's look at that. The Christian is one who has been brought into peace with God. Romans 5, verse 1. Take your Bibles and just turn there. And I'll have you flip around some different verses here this morning because I want to read different passages to you. Romans 5, verse 1. When you come to the Lord Jesus and you believe and receive Him as your Savior, you recognize that your sins have brought God's judgment against you, but you recognize also that Jesus on the cross died in your place for your sins, bearing your punishment, taking the punishment you deserve to answer God's justice, and also offers to you in the exchange of your sins all of His goodness and all of His holiness so that God can cover you in His own perfect righteousness. And when you believe in Him that way, you're justified, you're made right with God. It's called being justified by faith. I believe God has provided the means for me to be made right with God. You're justified by faith in Him. Romans 5.1 tells us this. Therefore, having been justified by faith, what do we have? We have Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Throughout the New Testament, God is referred to as the God of peace. It's like this new appellation that the people in the church are to know. And they say, Amen. God is the God of peace. And what it means is God is the one who has provided us peace. God is the one who has made for us to experience peace. Also within the New Testament, you'll see oftentimes when the author of the letter, Paul, is writing... Paul ends his letters with a prayerful wish that there might be an expressive element or a multiplication of the experience or state of peace within the body of Christ, within the church. Peace be unto you all. Peace be with you all. Grow in peace. Be at peace. Actually, 2 Corinthians 13, 11, Paul brings together these two ideas. God's wish for peace and the idea that God is the God of peace. And he puts together in one place. God's wish for peace, or his wish that the people might experience peace, and the reality that God is a God of peace, and he puts it all together. Finally, brothers, farewell. Become complete. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. I think all of them mean this. Live in peace. Be complete. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. What does that mean? Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you all. God is the God of peace, and God brings us into a state of peace. The idea of peace in the Bible is not simply the cessation of hostilities. It's not just the absence of antagonism between two parties. The idea of peace in the Bible always has with it, because of the absence of that antagonism, because of the removal of those hostilities, it has within it the idea of wholeness and completeness. So when we find peace with God, 
something happens more than this, just God no longer being angry with us, more than just us being separate from God and us being under the sentence of God's righteous judgment. When we come to the Lord Jesus and we believe in Him as our Savior, and He becomes the one who bears our sins away and covers us with His own righteousness, at that moment we're restored into a relationship with God. And in that relationship, we find completeness. We're made whole. Our lives are empty. There's a vacuum within every individual apart from Jesus Christ, apart from a relationship with God. And so what they think is in order to bring a settling to their spirit in their lives, they need this and they need that and they need to have this thing and that thing. And it puts them in a competitive mode where they're trying to get things that other people already possess or they might think other people are keeping them from. And so there's antagonism between them and other people because they become the obstacle to their idea of what will fulfill and satisfy them. And there's not peace. There's a warring for peace. It's odd, and it never really comes. When a person comes to God, and they're reconciled to God, and they have a relationship with God, they're complete, they're whole, they're satisfied. That empty space that they're trying to fill up with everything else is answered in Him. And who's an obstacle to that? Who's in the way of that? Nobody is. Nobody is. Peace is wholeness, it's completeness in Christ, and when you're whole, you've nothing to demand of others, you just leave them your peace. Let's think through God's Word and let Him apply it to our lives. I'm glad you've listened in to the Bread of Life Radio today. To learn more about our ministry, go to breadoflifeboise.org or call us at 208-331-4096. Until the next time, God bless you.